If you're happy to be in church, can I get an amen? Amen. If you're ready for the word, can I get a bring it? Wonderful. Open up your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. We're in between sermon series. We finished Ephesians last week and going to be starting the Worldview sermon series in September. So I just had a few things on my heart that I've been wanting to share with you all, and I thought this time would be a good time to do it. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, we're going to learn about receive faith and make every effort. Everybody say, receive faith, make every effort. Amen. You're going to see how those work together. It's not an either or, it's a both and. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through 11, gives us the introduction to Peter's second epistle. Now, Peter, Peter was also an apostle like Paul, and if you hear these two names together, they were the most famous apostles who wrote in the New Testament, Peter and Paul, Peter and Paul. John gets a lot of love too, but generally people always refer to Peter and Paul. Paul wasn't one of the first of the 12, but Peter was. Look at what he says here in chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith. Everybody say that together. Have received a faith. One more time. Have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now you notice the greeting there, grace and peace, just like in Ephesians. This was a, a famous apostolic greeting among the Christians. They were learning it from their leaders. Also, he says he's an apostle. He's one sent out to start churches. But notice this unique portion that he says here. He says, I am writing to those who have received a faith. Did they earn a faith? Did they go out and buy a faith? Did they go out searching for a faith? Did they meditate to get a faith? Did they pray five times towards a rock in Mecca to get a faith? No, all they did was receive a faith. What did they do? Receive a faith. One more time. What did they do? Receive a faith. What have you done? Let me ask you, what have you done? Have you received faith? Have you received the faith of Jesus Christ to believe in him? to do the works for him? Do you know that literally Jesus gives you faith to believe in him? It, it shouldn't be strange to us. Jesus gives you the life to live for him. Come on, think about it. Did you give yourself life? Who gave you the life that you're living right now? God, and what does he want you to do with that life? What does he want you to do with your life? To live for him. Not just live it in any old kind of way, to live for him. Who gave you your life? And what are you supposed to do with it? Now think about this. Who gives faith? God does. This, doesn't Jesus say that we are to have faith like a child? Does a child go out and earn their faith? No, it comes naturally to them. Have you ever been around children when they talk about the things that they love? It comes natural to them to be excited about life and to have hope for the future. When I talk to my children, I say, we're going to the park. They immediately have faith to believe we're going to the park, and they start screaming and getting excited. Does anybody have children like that or nieces or nephews or those you babysit? Come on. I say, we're going to go get ice cream today, and then they all make noise. They have faith. They have instant faith to believe what I said. Where did they get that from? Where did they get it from? Shout it out. God. Now let me ask you a question. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, who gives you the faith to believe that, to say, I want that, Jesus. I want you. God does. Now you might say, well, pastor, there's some people who don't have faith. How many of you know somebody that doesn't have faith? Well, what's the difference between you and them? 
Is it that God hasn't given them faith? Did God go, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, I'll give the faith to the one I want, and then go like, I give the faith to you. Is that what he said? And then I'll skip you, I'll skip you, you get faith. But I'll skip you, I'll skip you, you get faith. No, he's given everybody faith, but if somebody doesn't have faith, what have they not done? They haven't received faith. So if somebody goes to hell, can they literally stand before God and say, I couldn't believe in you, God, because it was so complicated. When you said you were the way, the truth, and the life, I just couldn't understand. I couldn't believe that. Or God, when you sent your apostles to say that you raised from the dead, oh, it was just too complicated to understand how a dead man could rise. Can anybody stand before God on judgment day and say, I just couldn't have the faith. This was way too complicated. I couldn't take you at your word. Can anybody say that, yes or no? No. Because every single person has had the chance to have faith. Can I show that to you? Come on, can I show it to you, first service? Now, you don't want me to substitute my passion for first service and only give it on second service, do you? So don't you substitute your passion. It comes, comes uh, less than you should, okay? Because second service be coming correct, all right? Y'all better come correct right now. I said, do you want to see it in the Word? Amen. At least somebody shout me down. Can I get you to shout me down, brother? Okay, get me, baby. Look at this, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made by Him. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not what? Overcome it. What do you think the light shining in darkness is? Well, it comes from God. He said, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. What do you think the light in men that comes from the life that everybody has is? Uh, somebody said the Holy Ghost. You're not born with the Holy Ghost. Faith. It is the knowledge of God. Every single person is born in the knowledge of God. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, and you'll see it. Just like I was saying, will anybody have an excuse on judgment day? No, they won't. Look at Romans chapter 1 as it talks about the wrath of God coming upon humanity. Look at Romans 1 verse 17. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now look at verse 19. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Woo! <laughs> Y'all better get that today. How does he make it plain? Go to verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities. Oh, God, I can't see you. You're so invisible. Yeah, but if you look at the creation of the world, you know that it didn't come from nothing. Somebody says, I believe in the Big Bang. What do I say back to them? Who banged it? From nothing, nothing comes. Nothing can't bang and create something. So yes, we don't see God, he's invisible, but how do we know there's a God? For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Woo! Everybody knows there's a God. 
It's just some choose to suppress it. Have you ever tried to hold a ball underwater? You ever been at the beach or at a pool and you're tossing maybe a football around or one of those beach balls? Have you ever tried to push it underwater? What happens when you push it underwater? What naturally does it want to do? Come right back up. What happens when people suppress the knowledge of God? What does the knowledge of God, the truth of God, just naturally want to do? Keep pushing back up. That's why no one really lives as an atheist. No one really lives as an atheist because if there's no God, there's no morals. And then if there's no God, no morals, then there's actually no you. There's no soul. You're just a brain. You're just a meat machine. And whatever you think is love, whatever you think is hate, it's just chemicals in your brain. Imagine shaking a Pepsi can, shaking a Coke can, opening them both up, watching them fizz. Which one is right, the Pepsi can fizz or the Coke can fizz? See, that's all men's opinions are without God. It's just a bunch of brain fizz. Is that all you are? It's just a meat machine and a bunch of chemicals, brain fizz up here? No, you're made in the image of God, and you know it, and no matter how much you try to suppress it, he keeps wanting to come up. That's why the Bible says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, and the light shines in darkness. The light of God's knowledge is still shining in sinners' hearts today. They're suppressing it, though. They're trying to run and hide from it, though. Yes, that's true. But the light of the knowledge, their conscience is awakened. And the darkness, no matter how much darkness they have in their soul, and if you're here today, it doesn't matter how much darkness you have in your soul, the light of God will always overcome darkness. Darkness never overcomes light. If you will receive, going back to our message, if you will receive the knowledge that you're suppressing, stop suppressing it and receive it, you will know grace and peace and abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ as your Savior. Instantly, these blessings will flow upon you. The first one is you'll be saved. You'll be born again. You'll be regenerated from the inside out. And the second thing that will happen is you'll desire to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a student of Jesus, to learn of him. And you'll see, and the Bible actually says this as a prophecy, that the righteous, they're like the first shine, the first sunlight of dawn that shine brighter and brighter to the full light of day. You'll go from glory to glory to glory. Come on, somebody say glory. Amen. Have you learned something in those first two verses? Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Christ Jesus, to those, talking to those here who have received that faith, listen to what he says, to those who are the righteousness of our God and Savior, who through the righteousness, rather, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith. Some may say have received. That means they've already done it. Have received a faith as precious as ours. That means no matter how much faith Peter had, Those people in that church had a faith just as precious as Peter's. It doesn't matter how much faith I have. If you have faith, it's just as precious to God. May grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now watch this, verse 3. His divine power has given us some things we need for a godly life. Is that what it says? you got to pay attention in church to keep up with the preacher, right? His divine power has just given us the Christian things we need to go to church. Is that what it says? His divine power has given us what? How many things? Everything for what? A godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Romans then said that all of us have the truth, but some suppress it. But now watch, those who receive the faith and the new life, the zoe, Greek word of life, zoe, the abundant life starts to flow. What does the power of God give you? Everything you need for that life. Every single thing you need for that life is given in that faith you received. That faith literally is the seed of a red oak out there in California in the Sahara Nevada mountains. Are you listening? It is enough so that every possible thing you would ever need could come through that fruit, come through that tree. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and patience, all that you need for a godly life. And then not just the inner qualities, but also the outward external change that people see you're living a different kind of life. Now watch how it happens. Watch verse 4. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises. Where do great and precious promises come from? God's glory and goodness. Go back to the verse. He's called us by his own glory and goodness. Verse 4. Through these. Through what is the these here, Julian? What is the these? Come on, Bible college student. What is the these, Amy? He has called us by his own glory and goodness through these. What is it, Jose? Glory and goodness. So through, put right here in verse 4, through God's glory and goodness, he's given us very great and precious promises. So do you today have precious promises? Yeah. And where do they come from? God's glory and goodness. Are you dependent upon these promises? Does it rely upon you to come up with a plan for your life? No, the promises come from God's glory. What is glory in that context? God's reputation. It's based on his reputation. So if God says, I'm going to do it, that means he's going to do it. And is he a good God? He's a good God. So that means every precious promise you have today comes by God's reputation, meaning he's going to keep it, and it comes by his goodness. You want these promises. And so why do they come? Why do these precious promises come? Read it with me here together. One, two, three. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Woo, come on somebody. You see, when you receive faith, you receive the Word of God, you stop suppressing it, life begins to flow, spiritual life comes, you begin to have all the power that you need to live a godly life, and then because of God's own reputation, His glory and goodness, you get promises, promises that enable you to literally taste of the divine nature, to dance with the divine nature, to have a relationship with the Trinity and to know divinity. And what does that do for you in practical means? It delivers you, puts the eject button out of the evil desire plane. Everybody's in the plane of evil desires right now. You need to escape that plane because it's crashing and burning. Are you listening to me? It is crashing and burning. And so how do we hit eject and get out of this crashing plane? Through the grace of God, by these promises, through the divine nature. I escape myself, in other words. 
because I am my own worst enemy. It's my evil desires that cause me to sin. I can't blame it on the devil. The devil only tempts me what my, my the devil only tempts me by what my evil desires want. So I need to be rescued not primarily from the devil. I need to be rescued from my evil desires. So that must mean I need a new nature. If I was born first naughty by nature in a sinful nature, then that means I need to get born again into a divine nature. All that happens through faith. Did you all get it? That whole portion, verses 1 through 4, is all about receiving faith and the benefits of it. When you receive faith, God changes your life from the inside out. Just make it plain. Amen? Now, what comes next? For this reason, for the reason of the previous four verses, now what are we supposed to do? Make every effort to add to your faith. One more time. Make every effort to add to your faith. Whose faith is it? It's yours because you received it. God gave it as a gift, but now it's yours. So all of us here don't have the same kind of faith, even just like we don't have the same kind of muscles, even though God gave it to us when we were born. You see, it's up to you what you do with them muscles, Jose, or Juan. It's up to you. Because if you want to get some of these pythons right here, you got to add to the muscle structure that you've been given. you got to add some working out. You've got to add the protein. It's up to you what you do with the faith. God gives you the faith just like the muscles on your body, but it's now up to you what you do with it. And I'm so, sorry I show off my 41-year-old mus uh, muscles here. I just got to give these young guys an example, okay? I got to give them something to look up to every now and then, okay? But you get my point. We all got faith. How many Christians here have faith? Say amen. But have you been growing your faith? Have you been adding to your faith? Have you been making, watch, not some effort, but every effort? Because today, if you're going through something in your life and you're saying, this is unfair, I don't know if I can handle this, this is really scary, and then you look over at somebody else and you go, they have something I don't have and it's unfair. You don't understand God's plan then. They, if they have faith and you don't, if they have a greater faith and you don't, it's not on God, it's on you. you got to work your faith. Now, am I saying that some people, uh, that everybody goes through the same thing? No, I understand that some people go through worse things in life. I totally get it. But it's what you do with your faith that's going to make the difference. It's not dependent upon the situation. That's why I can tell you about Horatio, who was a Chicago businessman who couldn't make the trip with his wife and kids across the ocean. And when his daughters died in that shipwreck, when he went then on a ship to that same spot and the, and the, and the, uh, and the captain of the ship said, this is where your family died, he didn't quit on God. He wrote a song, it is well with my soul. How in the world does somebody go through losing their children and come up with a worship song, it's well with my soul, and y'all get persecuted on Facebook and don't even want to come to church? You see, his faith, muscle, was able to take on the situations that he was facing. And so when somebody says, my faith is weak, there's an answer to weak faith. That's strong faith. How do you get strong faith? By making every effort to add to your faith these things. When the man came to Jesus and didn't believe that Jesus could do the miracle, he said to the man, help my unbelief. If you're here today and you're dealing with unbelief, we're not here to condemn you. We're not here to kick you out the church and say you don't have enough faith like we're going to have a, a faith detector at the door and you got to have a certain amount to get in. Boop, 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 boop. 
bad faith. You got to go home and get more. And then someone else comes in, you know, boop, boop, oh, boop, 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 boop. You got a lot of faith. You're welcome to come on in. Just bear with me. I'm having fun. Thank you, sir. Well, I'm not here to check your faith. I don't know how much faith you have. You may be sitting in this room. You may be way, way, way in the back row, back row, back row. And you may have more faith, faith than me, me. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm holding a mic. Does, does this holding the mic make me have more faith? Does me standing up here make me have more faith? No. It's not listed here. I can guarantee you that. So the question is, what are you doing with the faith you've received? There are some people who say, I don't want faith. I'm going to keep suppressing it. They'll do it till they die. They'll face Jesus on judgment day, and they'll know that the God they said didn't exist was the one they were suppressing the whole time. And he'll say, you know you're without excuse. But to us who are Christians, one of the saddest things to be, I think, would be in heaven and have regret. To get up to heaven and go, you mean I had really this puny of faith muscles, and I could have had muscles of faith to move mountains? I would hate to be in heaven within the first 30 seconds regretting the 80 years I lived here because I never used my faith muscles. Don't you want to use your faith muscles to do great things for God? That's why the Bible says if you have faith, you can move that mountain. When Peter got out and walked on the water, he wasn't walking on H2O. He was, watching on, he was walking on F-A-I-T-H. Now, some of you may think, well, faith doesn't seem to, to be very real because we can't see it. No, faith is in, in God, the invisible, is actually what created everything in the visible world. Can I show you that? Because we know that things that are natural don't come from other natural things in origin, meaning this computer cannot be the inventor of this computer. There had to be something before the computer that created the computer. We'll now just take everything in matter, space, and time, the whole universe. Did the universe, matter, space, and time come from something else of matter, space, and time? No. So where did matter, space, and time come from? The spiritual realm. And so when God spoke words, words began to have power. We're supposed to have the same faith that Jesus had when he spoke those words, believing that what he said the Father would do. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Look at verse 3 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. By faith we understand that the universe, everything here we now see, was formed at evolution was formed at the Big Bang, was formed at the multiverse. No, was formed at what? God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So today, your faith may be invisible, but it can change the visible world you live in. Somebody's got to put that on Facebook. Though your faith is invisible, it can change the visible world you live in. Because the very world you live in was created by God and his spoken word. So when we talk about building your faith up, this is actually more important than building up your knowledge of earthly things. I believe that's very important. Christians have, as I've always said, have been the smartest people. I'm not saying every Christian is the smartest person. I've met some very ignorant Christians. But I'm saying when it comes to, like, who's the smartest people who've ever lived, they're Christians. We developed the scientific method. We developed all of the foundations of the, the science that we now use. As a matter of fact, I was listening to a man that's alive today. He's one of the best scientists talking about who his favorite scientist was. This is uh, um, 
Degrassi, Neil Degrassi. He's an African-American uh, astrophysicist, and he was on a radio show uh, podcast, and they asked him who was his favorite, and he said, Sir Isaac Newton. Do you know that Sir Isaac Newton wrote more about the Bible than he did about physics? And yet he gave them the entire mathematical structure. He invented calculus so that they could understand the complexity of the world. But he understood that God had made this world to be understood, that an intelligent being designed it so that other intelligent beings made in his image could reverse engineer it. Are you listening to me? Why am I saying that? Because knowledge of matter, space, and time is important. Your job is in matter and space and time. Your family, my children, matter, space, and time. Your car, if it breaks down, flat tire, matter, space, and time. But you need to understand the world from which all of the things in our world came from. Our world was birthed out of God's world. Just like when you play a video game. Everybody look up at me, please. When I play Fortnite or I play a Halo or a video game, I'm watching my player on the screen, right? And sometimes I can get so into the game, here I am and here the screen is, I can sometimes see myself as the player in the video game. I'm a little cartoon character now, right? Then I have to remind myself, it's just the game. And then I step back out of it. Can I tell you that God is standing behind our world right now watching me? And he's saying, I'd like to come and visit your world, Joe, but there's a world that I live in that's greater than your reality. Come on, y'all. As we go into a video game, God comes into our world. As we are greater than the video game world, God's world is greater than our world. The Bible calls this heavenly realms. The heavenly realms are greater than the earthly realms. So where faith is invisible to us, it's visible in the heavenly realm, and it changes things that then impact the earthly realm. Do you know that no matter how far down we go with microscopes or how out we go with telescopes, we always see that there's some kind of an unknown force. Now they're calling it dark energy, dark matter, black holes, all of these equations that they're coming up with for gravity that go beyond even what microscopes can see. Do you know that even at those places, they still don't know what holds it all together? Now, am I saying that God is the force like Star Wars and he holds it together literally with like a force field? No, 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 no. I'm saying God created that. And I'm saying my God is greater than the thing we're still trying to discover. And so my faith, your faith, can change molecules. That's how bodies get healed. Our faith can produce the power to move Mount Everest. Because what is a mountain to the creator? What is the landscape of Fortnite to the creator of Fortnite? It's nothing. He knows the code. He changes it however he wants. If he wants to put Thanos in Fortnite, he can do that. If he wants to put a big mountain range, he can. The creator of Fortnite has power over the code of Fortnite. What is cancer to our God? What are your problems to our God? Our God is the creator and holds it all in his hands. So when we talk about adding to our faith, we're talking about building a faith, a power to have a substance that changes the world we live in. Because the faith we have is what shows where this world came from. Does anybody believe that today? What is depression to our God? What is lack to our God? What is fear to our God? What are the enemies of the Christian faith to our God? When you go out in your backyard and you see ants there, do you get scared? Oh, they're ants.
ants. I mean, come on, you're not like my two-year-old, are you? You actually, you have dominion over an ant, right? When God sees what's going on in the world, what does he say in Psalm chapter 2? What what does God say in Psalm chapter 2 when he sees all the nations doing what they do? He says, why do the nations conspire? Why does ISIS conspire? Why does North Korea conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth, the pharaohs, the Babylonian kingdom, you know, uh, Xerxes from Persia, the kings of the earth, they rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed, that's against God the Father and his son, saying, let us break their chains, throw off their shackles. The one in heaven laughs. Imagine an ant saying to you, I'm taking over your house. I'm going to conquer you. I'm going to take over your refrigerator. Imagine that. I know sometimes we've seen an ant life, you know, the cartoons like this little ant is talking. Are you, the first thing, if they could talk and say to you, I'm taking over your house, are you laughing or are you getting scared? You're laughing. You little ant, you just talk like that. Squash. What is, what is a government to our God? What is the Roman Empire to our God? Come on, what is the Supreme Court to our God? Who is your boss to our God? So this is why you add to your faith. Because your faith is greater than anything in this world. Your faith is connected to the precious promises of your God who said he would do it according to his reputation and according to his power, his goodness. Come on, somebody. So what should we add to our faith? These things. Add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness, and godliness mutual affection, and mutual affection love. I'll go over those in just a moment, but that's what you add to your faith, and that's what changes the world around you. Now look at verse 8. Let's read it together. One, two, three. Matter of fact, let's read verses 8 and 9. One, two, three. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So are your eyes wide open? Are you growing in your faith? Or are you unproductive, ineffective, blind? It's your choice. Remember, God gave us all faith, just like he gave us light. He gave us all the knowledge of him. Now it's up to him if we receive it and get born again. When we get born again, we have everything we need for a godly life through his power that's in us. And he gives us these promises so that we can live Christian lives. All we now have to do is use that faith to add things to our lives. So from faith, these other things come. Can I give you an example of this? Somebody say, make it plain. He said, add to your faith. Somebody say, add to my faith. He said, add to your faith all of these wonderful things right here to make every effort to add these things to your faith. Now, let me ask you something. Can I put a mobile app on something that doesn't exist? It's such a silly question. I have to take my time to make sure I say it right and that I don't confuse you. It's literally that simple of a question, though. Let's say... You have a favorite app. What is your favorite app? Everybody shout it out. You shout yours the loudest. And whatever one I hear the loudest, I'll use as my example, okay? Your favorite app on the count of three. Don't be shy. Some of you all better be yelling Snapchat really loud too, okay? What's your favorite app? One, two, three. Wow, that was a lot. 
<laughs> One more time. What's your favorite app? I could not make out anything. Thank you for making it loud and fun, though. Let's just say Facebook's an app that I use a lot. Okay, I use Facebook a lot. Can I add the mobile Facebook app to something that doesn't exist? No. I have to put it on something like a phone, on an iPad, right? The Kindle Fire. This is the example I want you to get. Think of your phone as faith. Here it is. When you get it from the store, its data is all clear. But it has the potential to add as many apps as you want. If we were to look at our phones now, all of us would have a different arrangement of apps. Each one of those apps would have different sizes. Are you guys tracking with me? Faith is exactly the same way. People try to be good without having faith in God. It's like trying to put an app on nothing. You can't be good without God. You're just playing make-believe. You don't have the power to do so. You don't have true knowledge unless you have God in your life. You say, Pastor, I know a lot of smart and good people. Yes, they can imitate us, but they can never be us. All that they are is just a figment of those things, a shadow of those things. What would you rather have, my phone or the shadow of my phone? Okay, what would you rather have, an eternity with Jesus Christ or 80 years, right? So it's like they just have a shadow of a life where they're borrowing everything from God's planet, and they think it comes from them, but they have no idea it really comes from God. And then when, it, when it's up, now they die and go to hell. And so they've lost everything. It's the Christian that truly has something. But it's not something we earn. Imagine me going around to each one of you. Here's the phone. Here's the phone. And I give each every and every one of you a phone. And here's the deal. There is no data limit on that phone. You can download and store as much data as you want. Some of y'all have a lot of fun taking pictures and videos and doing things on your apps, right? This is what faith is like when we compare it to the phone. Faith has an unlimited amount of storage capacity. And you can have as much goodness as you want in your faith but it's up to you how much goodness you want from your faith. You don't start with goodness because goodness can't be downloaded unless you got faith. Do you get it? You don't start with saying, well, I'm going to try to change myself, and then I'm going to come to church, or I'm going to try to, you know, do these things. No, you start by saying, God, I just received faith. Just like as if I said, okay, I'm going to download Facebook app right now. Okay, I'm going to download it. Can I download the Facebook app right now, literally? No, I have no buttons to push, no app store to connect to. Are you tracking with me? Can I have goodness without faith? Can I have knowledge without faith? Not according to God. It's from faith. It's from the unmerited gift of God by his grace through his love for us that now we can download as much goodness as we want, as much knowledge as we want. So everybody track with me. Do you now think you understand the scripture a little bit better that says this? God will never give you more than you can handle? How many think you understand that a little bit better now? Because what would everybody say before? God, I definitely can't handle this. Help. But God is saying, I gave you the, I, I gave you the phone, faith, and I said you could download as much help you needed, as much power as you needed, as much knowledge as you needed. You're just saying that you don't believe. You're the rejecting my faith. <laughs> I love this as a pastor because I know you all getting it right now. 
Does it say here, go to your pastor to get more faith? Does it say to your pastor to add more faith? Like, like Pokemon, like we got to do something to get more. No, no, no. This is between you and God. Now, is going to church part of being good and adding knowledge? Yeah, there are things that we'll do together. But it, it's not going to make the difference unless you want it. If you're not here literally coming to download these things, it doesn't change who you are just sitting on the pew. Are you listening? I could go into McDonald's, doesn't change me to a hamburger. I go in my garage, boom, 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 doesn't make me a Bentley or a Lambo. Are you listening? Just coming to church just saying I'm a Christian doesn't give you all these things. you got to make every effort to add to your faith these things. Amen? Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Now look at this part. Let's read it together. One, two, three. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the king, eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. You mean God made a promise that said, if you do these things, you'll never stumble? Yeah. And that's resting on his glory and goodness. Do you think he's going to keep that promise? Do you think there's ever going to come a time where you'll stumble into sin, stumble into depression, stumble into discouragement, and God will say, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Man, I don't think my power is big enough for this situation. I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you deal with these things, but listen to me. God has a way out for you. And sometimes it starts just believing there's a way out. Some of you are so blind and nearsighted, exactly like this illustration right here. Some of you are so blind and nearsighted, you can't even see you're holding the answer in your hand. Well, I can't download the Facebook app. It's not fair, God. I'm looking at my friends, and they have an awesome Facebook app. And look at all the fun things they're doing. God, it's not fair. And God says, I gave it to you. I gave you faith just like I gave that person you see with a lot of faith. Just like I gave Horatio faith. I gave you faith. Just like I gave Corey Tim Boone faith, the high Jews during the Holocaust, and then when she was put into a concentration camp, she said there's no hole that's so deep that God can't deliver you out of. I gave you faith just like I gave my son Jesus, who could forgive his enemies on the cross, but you're so blind and nearsighted, you can't, you can't see what I gave you. There is no one here that God has said to you, I want you to stumble I want you to go through life stumbling. God wants you to have a rich welcome into the kingdom of God. So what do we do with sad emotions? What do we do with times of hurt when things don't go our way? We go right here and we add to our faith these things. And so what is the faith that we receive? It's a God kind of life to be made in the image of God. It comes with knowledge. It comes with promises. It comes with the new nature. When we make these efforts, what are we making the efforts for? Goodness. Let me say goodness. Knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection. Somebody say love. You see, it's up to you today to receive faith and make every effort. I double dog dare you to share this meme on Facebook and say, I'm doing it. Come on, it's time. Man, could you come, please? It's time. For us to stop living beneath the calling that God gave us. He said, when you do these things, you will make your calling and your election sure. Whenever you walk in faith, you develop more faith or the capacity to have more faith. 
Every time you do something physical, it's the same principle. Thank you. Every time you do something physical, you give yourself the endurance to do more physical things. How many have ever lifted weights before? How many came in there weak, but about three months later, you were strong? Come on. You build up endurance. You stretch those muscles. You are enabled to do more than you were at the beginning. How many know if we started you off at what you were doing three months in, at the very first day, it would crush you, right? So right now, God is saying, start with what you got. Start with what he has given you and start to add to it. Take the time to read God's word and begin to start walking and talking like a Christian. Because for many of you here as your pastor, the reason why I wanted to share this message was because I see you being nearsighted. You're missing the forest for the tree. You don't realize the great potential of what God has given you through faith. You're limiting it. And then instead of humbling yourself saying, okay, I'm not doing something right, I need to learn here, because if you keep repeating the same sins over and over and over again, you're not doing Christianity right. If you keep having the same struggles today, if you have the same struggles today that you had six months ago, you're not doing it right. If you don't have a consistent testimony of going from glory to glory, you're not doing it right. And so many of you, instead of like just taking a step back going, okay, I need to add to my faith, you start questioning whether or not this works. And I see it in your posts. I hear it through your leaders as they're doing 101 with you. I see it in the endless cycle of people being in 201 for like three years, which is a discipleship class that shouldn't last more than a year, year and a half at the most. could be done in six months, but I mean, an average time would be about a year. Some people have been in it for three, four years. And the problem isn't that God hasn't given you the same faith he gave us. The Bible says that he has given you Faith just as precious as Peter's. Man, you ever seen Quantum Leap? How you'd come in and out of bodies? This is like an 80s show, but y'all got to follow me on this. You ever see that? All of a sudden, he'll be like coming into the body of a race car driver, and he's like driving the race car, and it's all scary and sketchy. And another time, like he'll come into another person's body as they're doing a comic routine, you know, and it's like, whoa, here I am. And he always kind of had like this sense of like, whoa, where am I? What am I doing here? I, I, I don't feel equipped to do that. That's how many of you feel like Christianity is. You think God is just like throwing you into this situation like, here you go. I'm just going to throw you into this situation, Josh. Figure it out. Figure out what to do in this life situation you're in. Whoa, what am I supposed to do? That's not it, Josh. That's not it at all. Literally, you're coming into, watch, quantum leap, you're coming into Christ in the divine nature who knows what to do every single time. You're coming into the mind of Christ who knows how to trust the Father. That's literally what it means when you partake and participate in the divine nature is that the Holy Spirit, see Father and Son seated on thrones in heaven. The Father and Son sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit literally comes inside of you and makes you a new you programmed, programmed to follow God and his word. 
So just as there are non-Christians suppressing the knowledge of God, pretending he doesn't exist, there are Christians suppressing who God made them to be. They're suppressing it. And so what are the areas of your life you're struggling in the most right now? I'm not saying where you're getting attacked the most. Understand the difference between an attack and a struggle. Watch this. Jesus was attacked, tempted by the devil, but that wasn't his struggle. He defeated him every single time. I can't prevent being attacked by the devil. I can't prevent bad things happening to me as a good person. Bad things will happen to good people. I'm talking about a struggle. Something that you know you keep doing to yourself from the evil desire and you need to hit the eject button and get out of the corruption of your own self. What are your consistent struggles? Consistent over and over. And now I want to ask you something. Do you believe God gave you faith to overcome that struggle? Maybe you're here today and you're same-sex attracted and you really believe in Jesus and you know it's right for one man and one woman to be together, but the temptation up here is so real. The evil desire up here is so real. Have you started adding to your faith goodness? Have you made every effort to add knowledge and study of his word? Have you made every effort to add self-control into your life? Have you given God the time that you gave the devil to give you the bad habits of sin? Have you given God the time to now make the good habits re result in fruit in your life? The principle of seed time and harvest remains whether you're a sinner or not. Let's take the example. Let's have one man be as wicked as Hitler, one man be as righteous as Billy Graham, go to ground somewhere in Indiana, throw down seed, put it in the ground, water it. Is the man who's as wicked as Hitler going to start seeing stuff come up? And is the man as, as righteous as Billy Graham going to see stuff come up? Yes, because the principle of what you sow is what you're going to reap. Don't get it twisted with karma from Hinduism. They have to believe in reincarnation and nonsense. No, this is the principle. What you sow is what you reap. So, it, so if you were a sinner sowing same-sex attraction into your life and then you fed it with pornography and then you fed it with Belmont and Clark, is it any wonder that you had the fruit the size of a, of a, a tree 10 feet tall bearing fruit? No. That's because you sowed into it. Now you're a Christian, you got faith, but you feel so weak because you just got a little sprout. What you got to do? You got to put as much time into God as you put in for the devil. Make every effort. Keep sowing the seed of goodness. Keep sowing the seed of self-control, of godliness, of mutual affection and love, and you'll get a tree to come out. That's the principle God told us, so it's up to us now. And I feel, in closing, hear me now, I feel that some of you are nearsighted and blind because you're not making the same efforts for God that you made for the world. And we've got to make that effort. God will not force you to be a Christian. God will not force you to have a different life. That's the gift of free will. Nobody here is chained to God's fingers like a puppet. You're not God's Pinocchio. That's why if I looked at every one of your phones, and most all of us have smartphones here, every one of you have a different arrangement of apps. And if we looked at how much you use apps, all of us would have a different arrangement of the usage of those apps. And guess what? Jesus is looking at each one of your faiths, 
and he knows why your goodness is this low, you know, and why your self-control is this low. He can look at us, and he'll see others of us who have it up there. He knows what we have. And so what we need to do in closing today is we need to search our hearts to make sure that we're making every effort. Amen? Let's pray before we go. Altar workers, would you come, please? Father, would you now search our hearts for these areas right now? I'm going to put them back up on the board because I want us to be able to see it. Lord, I ask that you'll search our hearts and show us if there's any of these areas that need to increase. Lord, these areas that we've compromised in or things that we've taken lightly. Help us, Lord, to make every effort to add to our faith goodness. Come on, somebody say, God, give me goodness. Lord, help us to add to our faith today knowledge. Knowledge about who you are. Lord, some of us spend more time memorizing sports stats than we do scriptures. Is it any wonder we feel weak in our marriage today? Is it any wonder we feel weak? Lord, add to our faith today self-control. Give us discipline, God, to not say, to not give in or say yes to everything we're tempted with. Help us not to believe every thought we have. Lord, add to us perseverance. Do you know that I quit over 30 jobs? Before I became a pastor, I had over 30 jobs, and I became a pastor right around 21. You know why? Because I had no gift of perseverance. But God gave me the gift of perseverance. Now I've only had three jobs in almost 30 years. Uh, 20 years, rather. God, give us to our faith godliness. Show us how to act in a situation the way you would act. To think the way you would think. To be like God. God-likeness. Help us, Lord. Lord, give us mutual affection or brotherly love. To love one another as we ourselves want to be loved. And Lord, give us the love that we need to have for you. To love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. A few moments now. Search your heart. Say, Lord, show me where I need to increase. And you all know it. Don't stop today. This is, this is just a message to encourage you to change the way you've been looking at Christianity. Something like this should follow you all the days of your life. Some of you probably even heard me preach from this passage before. It's such a popular one around here. But I just felt in this season we needed to do it. Show us, God. You've given each one of us faith. Now help us make every effort to add to our faith these wonderful things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you stand up to your feet and give it up for Jesus today? Come on. Are you thankful for the gift of faith? Would you slap somebody high five and say, add to your faith? God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful day. We've got prayer workers. If you would like to have somebody pray with you to help add things to your faith, or you can worship with us. Either way, we'll see you at Life Groups. Thank you for coming. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great day. Your will be done. We call this the after party. Feel free to hang out with us. Otherwise, have a great day. Thank you for coming.